June Seth, it's good to have you. I want to hear how you're doing. Ooh, look, it didn't cover it all. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, you cut your hair off. Yeah, I'm all like white underneath though, because look at this. I have to like I have to get some sun now. Yeah, okay. you gotta sun your balls gotta and also shade. Your... Yeah, wait, so shade wait, this wait. part of my face. This is wild. What what inspired this horrible decision? I'm sorry, I just gotta call it like it is. Well, I was I was in prison for a little while for doing some pretty bad things, and I got in with the group. And they told me that to get out alive, I'd have to cut my hair. So uh, I, I figured I'd do that. I did it. Did you have to lose your dignity in order to do that? But uh, no. No, 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 no. I just had to have anal sex with a few of them. But that was fine. But no, it was, you know, it's a it's a group of white guys. But they, they, they told me I presented as white enough. So. I see. I see. Yeah. Like well, I support you and <laughs> no judgments here. This is a judgment free zone. So, you know, we're glad to have you. Thank you for joining us. We're, we're still trying to figure out where the fuck uh, American Hoddle is, but he will he's be joining a, us. He's I couldn't join. I couldn't do it. And then I like when I typed the link in, it didn't work. But then when I clicked the link, it did. So it's a clearly user error. Mm. Well, I, I forgive you for not having hair. I who's, do not forgive you for fucking it who's up. Who's this new guy? He, he doesn't look Iranian to me. Ah, yes, this is. <laughs> This is Chris. This is our producer. He's the man behind the curtain, making sure all the buttons work. He does this a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. Right. Hey, Chris. The man behind the mirror. We had to let the uh, Iranian, you know, go free into the wilderness. To Bitcoin, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I sent him to Amsterdam. We got the, the conference happening there. Soon. Is it safe to go to Amsterdam as an Iranian? I think so. I hope we'll so. We'll find out after this week. <laughs> we, yeah. we didn't. We didn't. You know, figure this out beforehand. But we'll. See. He's going to be so high. He's not oh, going to do any do. work. No, he, he is. His hair? He looks. No, he's no. one of those people that can smoke like a gallon of weed. That's the official drug dealer measurement and still be totally, totally sober. Also, no, 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 leave it, leave it. It's so much better. Uh, our guest candy. Ah, oh, you piece of shit. You moved it's it better. Back. Well, there's a little, so for the guests, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to blow you up. No, oh, God damn it. So the first time we had, we had June Seth on, he was in a completely like crazy room. There was like, you know, underpants and all sorts of shit everywhere. And uh, gnomes. You know, and when he first joined, there was a corner yeah. of the room that was. That I'm in a storage was, closet, if you will. It's, it's pretty. It's it's pretty. Do you guys talk about Bitcoin on here or what? Yeah, we do. We do. We do. Oh, okay. And speaking You're of the, which, oh, you go. Yeah, it's I was gonna show. say, I I, I want to give context to who you are. You know, you've you've joined the show. Uh, whom, this will be the third time. Whom you are? Whom? Whom? To whom I speak? June Seth, you have been in the Bitcoin space for a very long time. Uh, yeah. Some would say too long. I would disagree mm -hmm. with those people. I think it's great. Well, there right. you are. And you also are one of the pioneers of some of the, what I would argue is kind of the earliest fundamental tenets of Bitcoin culture. Can you take a minute to describe your journey to Bitcoin, what it was like getting a traumatic brain injury, and then, you know, creating Bitcoin Uncensored and yeah. the, the stuff you did with that? Yeah. So, you know, I think the thing I'm known for is Bitcoin Uncensored. Bitcoin Uncensored was a very, very popular at the time Bitcoin show, Bitcoin podcast, which is interesting because it, it, it didn't get that many listens compared to these like other podcasts that you think of as very popular. But it's kind of become a mainstay because we basically documented Bitcoin week to week and everything that was going on. Just looked at the news, talked about it and then made fart jokes. 
So we we highlighted a lot of Bitcoin toxicity. We really thought that we were that it was an important part of Bitcoin's ecosystem. Well, what's what's come to be known as Bitcoin toxicity. We we called it, you know, Socratic method and such. But Bitcoin toxicity has become a thing that everybody's talked about now, and, and everyone hates. But they're wrong. It's very important. It's the white blood cell of Bitcoin. White blood cell. Oh wow! Oh shit! Ronald's here. He's white. Hey, He's man, a white you blood can't cell. call them white blood cells. Racism. Oh shit! Not racism, right. Hoddle. Hoddle, you're looking show. good. Your camera looks Hoddle, like you're garbage. A little, you're a little hairy. Oh my god! How many times can you change the aspect ratio, my friends? We did it. We fucking did it. If you're still here after this, are we, we the American most unreliable Hoddle. guests, P? No, that's not. No, no. We've had some way more unreliable ones. I'll talk about I them. Would just I'll give like them. To I'll, say, listen, I'm so, listen to all all six point one five. Uh, this fine program i am i apologize for was i late i don't even know if i was late was i late you were exactly on time again for our guests we have june culture pioneer creator of bitcoin uncensored you guys did you know my favorite claim to fame of yours is that you did you know your podcast interviews jesus christ you did podcast interviews in the bathroom and of course we have also joining us american hodl who is one of the other, I would say, pillars of the Bitcoin culture community. You helped an old lady across the street one time, Hoddle. You've done some other stuff. Why don't you tell the people who you are and what you're about? Listen, I'm a, a you know, I'm American maximalist. I think the viewers of this show know that by now. Listen, one Litecoin equals one Litecoin. Trading at $11.10. Don't, you don't need to look it up. I'm pretty sure that's the price. You know, I just think for me, Litecoin is good because it's like bitcoin it's like bitcoin without a lot of the bad vibes so like i think that's why i'm into it and yeah i was real active on twitter from like 2018 to 20 started like a project mayhem style fight club thing it happened i was in like a fugue state at that time i just think that you know 100 percent litecoin is the way to uh, you know i'm <laughs> thinking about rebranding myself to Litecoin Phoenix. <laughs> How is your internet? Anyway. You are a wealthy man, sir. You rode around on a fucking like Vespa scooter. Again? You forced your family. Oh. You forced your family to like, you know, ride around on the back of that scooter with you like a little monkey on How, your back. Did you, did you ever dress your scooter up like Yoshi and and <laughs> you wear like a Mario? It's a great question. That's what How, I would do. Please answer the question. No. I'm here in my parking lot. I want everyone to know notice my new car. It's my Oscar Meyer Wiener Mobile. I bought it. My my condo association is complaining. They say that there's no work trucks allowed, and I I tell them that my work has nothing to do with wieners, so it's not a work truck. That's very interesting. Thank you mm -hmm. for sharing that with us. Other than the brothel, but this like not this ah. kind of wiener, you know. You should yeah. go to Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. The red light district drive around in that truck. I bet you'd this is what anyone wondering what Bitcoin riches can afford you. I mean, like, what do you, you think? You, you guys all want Lambos. Look what I got. You, you know that the the Oscar Mayer mobile, it's like a great honor. Like you have to apply to drive that shit around. You have to like do an exhaustive application yep, process. Yeah. They yeah. Yeah. they make sure, you know, they need to see your body in all of its glory. You know, they do like lie detector tests, psychological sure. profiles. Yeah. Or you can buy it on autotrader.com. That's right. Yeah, you so you still have to do all that stuff. <laughs> you have to show your wiener as part of the interview process because they need to know your pack. Yep, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. That's right.
Hoddle, your your audio is out of sync, but at least unlike last time, we can we can understand you. So I'm gonna just roll with it. Okay. Um, Hold on, I'm I'm gonna log out and log back in. I hope this. Good guy. Can not I, gonna, oh nothing's God. gonna. It's not gonna fix. It's not. Gonna it fix hasn't it. been fixed in like four months. I know. I know. He's he's. Pete, why do you why do you let him on here? What does he know. What does he add? I don't know. Look, we're, other we're, than height. Here, look, here's the thing. He's very tall. Have you seen him in real life? Yes, he's he's a monster. He's if nine were, foot eight. That's true. That's true. Verifiably. And, and thing, his height and his height is 10 feet. Our producer, Chris, is is supposing that he downgraded his Internet because we're in a bear market. I, I think that's probably realistic. People wouldn't necessarily know this if they haven't you know, seen either of you before. But you are, in addition to being degenerate, you know, rapscallions, meme masters, you are also in, both incredibly intelligent and have a lot of really interesting things to say about Bitcoin. So... I know you don't want to do this. I am going to force you to actually have a meaningful conversation as part interspersed with the, the, the randomness and insanity. I'm curious what you think about the fact you, that, hmm? huh? well, I was nothing. Go on. No, no, please. This is, this is, think of this as like a clubhouse conversation. No, I expect about, you to like, interrupt like me. The constantly. idea that's whistling while you snore is like, <sighs> who, no one does that. You know, that's a great point. And it is directly related to the conversation we were just having. So yeah. I'm going to okay, address go it. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody whistles while they snore. Yo, yo. How is this? Is this better? Much better. Is. Infinitely Holy better. Shit. What did I'm you on do? a computer instead of a cell phone. Hey. Yeah. That'll do it every time, man. What also, a you cock. Gotta, you what a bleep. cock. He knew that. that like he, he was on a cell phone. You are. A I've been cock. on a cell phone. Every one of these streams forever. Yeah. I'm so angry. I'm so furious. And you let me get computer up was, and see if, let me get up and see if this fixes it. Oh, it's even, not fixed. I didn't even change position. The computer was right here the whole time. Yeah. And the microphone. I had it all plugged in. You're a piece of shit. Anyway, listen, man. When you invest in Litecoin the way oh, I good do, God. you deal with shit. You deal with shit. Like traumatic brain injury. That was something that happened to me early on, and I've overcome it. And become worth several thousands of dollars from like. Right. I should have taken my so. guns out and started cleaning them on stream. Yeah, yeah. You also should have had the background that was poorly hidden. That's a pretty a pretty good flex. But let's take this as an opportunity. Hoddle, mm -hmm. you are you're being satirical when you promote Litecoin, which is hilarious. Right. Let's actually educate. Let's use this as an opportunity to okay. educate people. Tell us the story of Litecoin, what it is, and why. Yeah. It's a shitcoin. So Litecoin was created by Satoshi Nakamoto's third cousin, Charlie Lee. And he created it as a way to scam people that work in lawn services out of their hard-earned money. You're, you're, <laughs> you're trying to get That's ridiculous, Otto. <laughs> I'm drinking. Let's mezcal. Now, look. Coinbase <laughs> is a platform... It's a casino and Coinbase has a long and sordid history of creating or supporting the creation of shit coins, things that I took a picture of the room and then I put it on the green screen. It works. <laughs> so this is it. like what you would see if there were no green screen. It's like a picture of the thing that's behind the green screen on the green screen. I'm a huge fan. I appreciate you making the sacrifice for us. Uh -huh. It's not as good as Eric Kaysen. We had Eric Kaysen on recently and his, <laughs> his room was, he had a vacuum just like sitting in the middle of the room. And we talked for a while about how awesome his vacuum was, All right. but it's, you're, you're getting there. You're getting there. Anyway, Litecoin, Charlie Lee, yeah. 
worked at worked yeah. at uh, worked at Coinbase. Uh, basically, Coinbase makes a bunch of money when they promote a random shit coin, and then you know so, all the shit happens. Yeah, let's talk about innovation in Litecoin. One of the dope innovations was Charlie Lee when he was employee number three at Coinbase. He realized that Litecoin had this problem in that it had no exchange volume. So he came up with a really innovative solution in which he put in a trading bot that sold Litecoin back and forth to itself. And then later Coinbase was fined like $11 million for this. But Charlie being you know perspicacious and intelligent, he got out long before that happened. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of innovation in Litecoin the more I think about it, you know? I agree. I think it's a lot of innovation designed to take money, as you said, out of the pockets of the, you know, lawn care specialists who still continue to in invest in Litecoin, like yourself, yeah, and put it directly into the pockets of Charlie Lee. And the By the way, I should say the word allegedly, because this is a conspiracy theory. Part about, be part about being a Litecoiner is we're really into conspiracy theories. Do you know that me and Junseth, actually, this is a good thing to discuss. Me and Junseth recently saw a very interesting video. And, you know, we had been a little bit skeptical about QAnon before we saw this video. But once mm. we saw this video, we decided that we were full on QAnoners. And the video is called Frazzle Drip. Maybe Junseth would like to explain what this video entails. Some people say that if you watch it, you will rip your face off and die. No. That didn't happen to me yet, but it's only been six days. So if it's like a ring thing where it's seven days, maybe tomorrow I'm fucked. I don't know. P, it's a video of Hillary Clinton ripping the face off of a Haitian child and putting it on her own face. Yeah. This is my kitchen. <laughs> I, I have so many questions. If you want to Google it, Google Frazzle Drip, hashtag stay woke. And you're not going to find it because it doesn't exist, but it exists in your mind. And if Hammer you think about it, 50% of BTC volume is fake. <laughs> I, well, that's true. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Listen, as a Litecoiner, you think I'm going to argue that point? Of course it's sure. fake. The whole thing is fake. Sure. It was invented by a what fake is, Japanese guy. It's happening in Web It's happening in Web 3, Hammersaw. That's right. I've I've changed your your title to Frazzle Drip Maximalist. Hell yeah, that's true. Hashtag yeah, this say is all, well. <laughs> this, is all, this is all great content. Yeah. I hope our audience is 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 learning and listening and absorbing valuable information. <laughs> Where's that guy with the frizzy hair who's normally here? Oh yeah, banish him to Instagram. His name is like R or S. Yep. It's close. Something you're, like you're, that. You're super close. Uh, yeah, we have a conference happening in a couple of days in Amsterdam, and I, I sent P. him there because. Oh. No, that's you. What's P, his if name? you put the whole microphone in your mouth, v. it's hard to breathe. Just yeah. so you know. So that's Wait, was that to me or to Hoddle? I was mm. letting you both know. If you do that, it actually like I. Wow. Oh wow, bro, that's wow. a four hundred fifty dollar microphone. That's. That's seductive. It's, I'm it's actually kind of, it's sweet on the tongue. I didn't expect that. You should so. probably invest in like a luxury line of, you know, genitalia based microphone covers. I think that'd be a pretty, <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. Not a bad idea at all. Yeah. You could, you could make a lot of fucking money with that. Also, if you could somehow like swap them in and out, like while somebody was on, like, Are there you'd be like, my goal on the stream is usually to make people stop watching. Have we done that? You know, we, we, we've done a pretty good job of it. We're, we're you know, we're down by good. like 10, 20%. If you're still here, you're... That's dope. Yeah, you're Okay, guys, now let's get into the real stuff. Yeah. Secrets so one thing I want to... I did want to... I'm going to talk more about, about Litecoin now. Chris, God the producer, says the views are down. So we need to give the people the Litecoin content they God came for. God fucking damn. All right. Listen, I want to be clear. I know you guys hate this. 
like Litecoin is a shit coin. Do not invest in Litecoin, despite what Hoddle will tell you here. He's doing that satirically. Do you know that you can right I now? Agree, right now, I agree with P. P is giving great investment advice. Oh, do God, you know God, that God. right now? <laughs> do you know that right now you can purchase a hundred and sixty-seven no, no. Litecoin Cut for twelve dollars? Yeah, there we go. What it was the God. wrong. It was the wrong noise. I wanted this one. <laughs> yeah. All right, Hal. We're letting you back on. You know, show yourself some respect and your children. Are you? Have you watched the Daryl Brooks trial at all, Hoddle? What that, is the Daryl? No, I've never even heard of it. He's the guy that mowed over those people in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how the reporting on him conveniently left out his race. Well, but if she had been white, it would have led the coverage, you know? Well, he's 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 the, there's a lot of developments. Hoddle. Let me inform you of them. He's a sovereign citizen. Oof. And he's Wait. now rep- he's now representing himself. All right. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to rest this conversation back to Bitcoin. You guys ready for this? No. Yeah. Too bad. You know, sometimes I like to conceptualize, just taking it back to Bitcoin, I like to conceptualize Bitcoin as sort of like a, a bigger Litecoin. You, God, know? <laughs> <laughs> you need to re-implement the Litecoin logo so that it's just like, you know, like a cloaca. You really like should. Spewing right. bird feces out right. of it, you, you know, just to the, really make sure. Bitcoin costumes, you get a big Litecoin costume, you come on with Hoddle. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. I need a Litecoin costume. All right. Hoddle's right, right. the hairiest one on this podcast. I, oh, I know. Guns have used that way more hair than me. I had no yeah. hair. I've never had hair. He said he he, he said he cut it all off because he went to prison, which I believe. But wait, wait, wait. You guys know fit about... In. I had to fit in with a certain group huddle. <laughs> skinheads. <laughs> you became a fucking skinhead. I get it. I get it. You, you can pass. Look, what do you guys think about the fact that Ben Bernanke just won the Nobel Peace Prize? Wait, what? Yes. Did he? Yes. One second. One did. second. The one 2022 second. Nobel Peace wait, Prize went to Pete, Ben Pete, fucking Bernanke. Pete, 2022... Nobel in economics, Nobel Prize. Prize in economics. Nobel Prize, Bernanke. Wait, the Peace Prize? Wow. Are you sure? No. Okay. What did he I, win it? I exaggerated. For? The Nobel Prize in economics. Oh, that's what? not even a real prize. What did you he win? That it for Look at that. Oh well. He won for fucking two thousand and eight. That's what he for won what for. The, wait, wait. Yes. He won for like what for he printing did, money, or, or yes. like having an idea. For for solving the two thousand and eight crisis. Wow. Oh man, you you know you know you got to be really mad if you're the person who like first proposed quantitative easing, which is a thing that was proposed. And then Bernanke swoops in, yeah. and then Bernanke's like, "I use this to great aplomb," and they're like, "Ha just for using it, you get an award." And yeah. not just that, there's like the Nobel Prize in economics. There's like a thirty year backlog of people with actual kind of accomplishments that that are that are hoping they can get it, and they gave it to, <laughs> to Bernanke. I think that's great. I think that's really funny. It's, I mean, how come Satoshi hasn't won yet? Come on. Like, if this was a serious award, Satoshi would have won it by now. You know? We all know why Satoshi hasn't won it yet. Yeah. How the f- I, I didn't, didn't even realize. Like, uh, I didn't even realize you could go back Satoshi. that far in time. How can I, guarantee, you, I guarantee you. They will you're give probably the, right. The to Vitalik before they will give it to anyone in Bitcoin. You're Chris, probably right, cool. unfortunately, because, you know, Vitalik has the perfect like nerd signaling where he comes off like like a oh, genius just... to people who don't understand what's happening here. You know? Yes, that's partly true. Yeah. But I also think he's got a huge wiener. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, that's a photo. That's facts. You know, dude, that photo can't be real. 
Some people were saying right. it was his phone causing a shadow. Those people are just that's cope. Okay, just you can't that's not, cope with the that's fact not that phone causing a shadow. That's that's a cock. I've seen it. There's <laughs> a big snake in his pants. It was good. You've seen it. You've seen it. And I've seen the photo. That's not what you just said, bro. Clip it. Oh, I will. I will. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will make it possible to materialize your assets in real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investment in owner-occupied properties. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado, and will be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.io today to register your interest and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, BitMEX. BitMEX is one of the biggest supporters of the Bitcoin space in the last decade, actively donating to developers and putting out some of the most cited research articles. What you might not know is that BitMEX recently launched a brand new spot exchange and mobile app that takes the experience of buying and holding to the next level. We know that, especially in uncertain market conditions, you need an exchange that is trustworthy and innovative. Sign up at BitMEX.com today, check out the BitMEX blog for some great market insights, and stay tuned to our podcast for more from their team. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyper-Bitcoinization global with the inaugural European gathering this fall. Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Foss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference which includes hands-on engagements at our Proof of Workshop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP whales in the deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day three of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 for a GA ticket and €3,499 for VIP whale passes. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. Ridiculous, but yeah, no, the, the 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 Nobel Prize Committee is gonna at some point start trying to give people you know prizes in this blockchain shit, and I guarantee you Vitalik is like first on that list because no, you it'll be something even dumber. It'll be like the guys who created like it'll be like Sam. Altman no, 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 no. It'll it'll be Vitalik, yeah. dude, and it'll it, it'll be like it's the youngest person ever to win a Nobel Prize in economics. Yeah. And you're like, you're right, you're right, like, and they're and they're gonna be like you know he created the world's greenest blockchain. It's so green. 
the, watch him be the first person ever to win. Yeah. He's gonna get the Nobel Prize in Peace and the Nobel Prize in Econ. It'll he'll be the it'll be the first like peak peakonomics prize. I mean, they literally gave the peace peace prize to Barack Obama, who droned civilians. <laughs> like, makes how does that make any sense? You know, well, he wasn't he wasn't George Bush. Listen, so. I'm okay with him droning civilians. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Apparently, I don't know, but like the peace prize. Why don't if you give look, him like best? They look like he maybe, but not not just any civilian. <laughs> Chris Al, Chris, Chris is making a point. He says Hitler was nominated for Peace Prize in 1939 as well. We don't actually know that, I don't think, because I think the nominations are secret. For like, then we can just say anybody was nominated. Years, so I guess maybe they would know now. Maybe uh, we that's, can start. I, Hoddle, I always thought this was funny. Like, I thought it would be really funny to just start putting on your resume that you've been nominated for Nobel Peace Prize. There's no <laughs> way to confirm it. <laughs> like, <laughs> They, they have to wait 50 years to find out if you lied. And by that time, what are they going to do? Sue you for your money? Like, I did a good job at your company. <laughs> I, your, your logic is flawless. <laughs> you should do it. There was a, the, was a Time magazine. It, they put a mirror on it in like 2005. And like, this year's man of the year is you. And you're like, I'm like, all right, okay. Let's so start <laughs> putting that on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is you should take whatever promotional photo they had, you know, where it's like clearly a mirror. And then that's what you should put on your resume. Yeah. Be like, I won the Nobel. You know, so it's like they have to ask themselves, like, is this guy incredibly intelligent? Could they give the Nobel Prize? Could they give the Nobel Prize to like the American people or something like that? That well, would will. be so lame. They will. They, they will. It'll be like <laughs> the American people for dealing with inflation. You know what's really funny to me? I, I think that I think that the only person that could have won the Nobel Peace Prize in the last ten years, legitimately, was was Donald Trump. <laughs> I'd like to hear this. I'd like to hear this argument. Continue. Yeah, explain yourself, sir. Continue. Please continue. Well, he was the like. If you look at the the prescriptions for like what it requires that you win a Nobel Prize, I can't think of any Nobel Prize recipient that's actually like fulfilled them, except him. When it comes to like North Korea, the Abraham Accords, etc. And I just thought it was hilarious because I think that he would have like been the like it, it, they just I knew they would have refused to give it to him. So you know, it, it, like they just eschewed. The, the one person that probably fulfilled all of their criteria for the Nobel Prize because they hate him. And that's truth. New topic. Hit me. Give me a second. I'm going to, I'm going to let it build. Let it build. Now I want to talk to you guys about PayPal. What are what do you guys think about the fact that PayPal released this thing over the weekend saying that Gene Seth, you're not helping with your heavy breathing? Sorry. Saying that, you know, if you if you had wrong think, they're gonna fine you twenty five hundred dollars. You guys think that's just sort of like a distraction? Do you think it's noise? Do you think they fucked up and accidentally included it in their new in terms of use update? Do you think it's real? I you know, I'm one thing that's always been interesting to me about PayPal is how they have the lowest fees for purchasing Litecoin in the industry. And I just find like it's a great, <laughs> it's a great place to purchase Litecoin from. They do so, not offer Litecoin, sir. Other than that, I can't say anything bad about them. You know, no, give me your. Uh, no, I want to hear your real thoughts. All right, no, no listen, more... the real, the real opinion is like anybody who can, you know, financially restrict you is going to financially restrict you, and they don't feel any type of way about it. You know, this one had a lot of pushback, but the next one they'll slip through and they'll just keep doing it over and over and over again until they eventually repress the shit out of you and like 
you know, financial repression is like the number one way to actually like create a totalitarian regime because you're not going to get over on freedom of speech, not going to get over on, you know, the second amendment. So it's like, you basically have to, you know, find a way to choke everybody's like ability to like, think about like the energy usage, you know, you know, thing that is being promoted is like, you can't use energy for this. You can't use energy for that. It's the same thing with money. You can't use money for this. You can't use money for that. We're telling you what to do. Right. So yeah, I think you should just resist it at every point. This is why we Bitcoin. Also, if you're not holding on to your own keys, you know, if you're not taking self-custody, of your Bitcoin, like, I don't know what you're doing here because you've ab you've absolutely missed the point of this revolution. Like, if you can, you should. And that's that's the big thing that's happening here. It's not just about all the things we talk about, you know, Bitcoin's programmatic monetary policy or its deflationary nature, or whatever. It's about the fact that you can hold your wealth and you have all the leverage in every negotiation you go into in your life. Whereas if you're, you know, a, a surf on PayPal's plantation, you do what PayPal tells you to do basically, or Facebook or Instagram or JP Morgan Chase or whomever, or YouTube doesn't matter. Like you're, you're everyone's slave. If you don't have your own leverage in, in the negotiation. Yeah. I mean, this is just the beginning of the thrift fever says breaking news. And I think we need to confirm whether this is true or not to, you know, continue with this interview P breaking news. American Hoddle is being prosecuted by the national association association of landscape professionals. Listen, Hoddle. Listen, the, listen, the NALP, that's what I refer to them as. Then they serve me. Yeah, they serve me. What of it? 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 They serve me. I said, fuck them. Fuck them. I represent myself, bitch. Sovereign citizen. Hoddle. <laughs> Sovereign citizen. Hoddle, do you, is the NALP in the room with you right now? They were, their process server was here three days ago. If you want to get real about it, they were here. Yeah, do they said, hey, we have crumble cookies for you. And then when he opened the pink box, it was fucking, I was being served. And I was like, what the fuck is this, man? I thought these were gonna be the red velvets that I love so much that are like a thousand calories a piece. I love those things. Big lie. Yeah. Do you feel like- I'm just kidding, I only eat steak. I'm a Litecoin maximalist. Keep going. Do you feel like they're persecuting you because of you know, your statements about the superiority of Litecoin to Bitcoin, which is- oh. Litecoin to Bitcoin. Landscape professionals. Yeah, I mean, w w why do you think that yeah. they're after you specifically, Hoddle? You know, this is meant I think, to be a leading question that has an obvious answer, but yeah, I, I mean, no, I'm asking it to you as if you know, I'm I'm a I'm a, an interview professional rather than just yeah. I should no, answer. listen, they're they're coming after me because Litecoin is too powerful and it fucks up the association dues. That's what's up because I got I got the nation, I got the nation, Litecoin nation out there trimming the hedges fucking blow drying the weeds doing the roundup all of it i got like lock doing that shit come on i'm reading son. all the comments someone's calling me morpheus's third third cousin <laughs> i like that i think that's meant like to be that. an insult my friend i'm sorry well man. it's if he had sex with trinity he would have made like a kind of like half white guy half black guy. i would have been me so that would have been great <laughs> Junseth is the is the Morpheus that convinces you to stay in the Matrix. It's like, not <laughs> cool here. It's great here. Say. Greg says he ate Morpheus' third cousin. I'm not. Yes, fat. that's I that's am fat, criticism. but not that fat. You know, like that would that be he? He's a big dude. What was that about PayPal again? 
they change their terms of use so that they can basically censor the shit out of you by fining you $2,500 if you spread wrong thing. If you say anything that is quote unquote misinformation, they said that they were going to fine you. And then everybody lost their minds about it. And then they were like, just kid, that was a mistake. Don't even trip. Don't even worry about the fact that clearly went through, you know, years and years of red tape, but then they <laughs> updated it over the weekend and it is still the case that they can fine you for $2,500 for damages to their brand, external damages, administrative costs, and or damages to PayPal's business partners. Those are torts. It seems like you can't just decide that that... Well, here's the thing. There's a simple solution. And it's everybody do what I did. Go, go on eBay and buy a couple Beanie Babies. And the result, if it's anything like my result, will be that you get banned from PayPal. So then you can't you even go. use them. So, you know, By the way, I don't PayPal's understand. Been, they've been banning people left and right for years. I always hear bad stories about them. Yeah, I just sure. don't understand. I don't understand this idea that these people that are holding our money are legally allowed to do anything other than hold it. <laughs> it just blows my mind. That as an American, as like that Americans, that there are these like other structures other than banks that hold our money and and they've decided now that they can just do anything other than hold it. Like, oh, you've 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 made a you made a fart joke. It's conveying misinformation about covid. We're fining you two twenty five hundred bucks. Like what is isn't with an arbitrator? Like what's like how are they going to decide this? We've seen this before. It's capricious. Yeah, I mean, it's, and that's, it's that is not a pair of pants. You are correct. It is not a pair of pants. And also you are correct that it is capricious. I mean, these are we were talking about this earlier in the show, but. You know. These we, we live in, a, in an environment where people are propagating fear as rapidly as possible, and they're using that fear and that kind of dissension in order to, you know, shove these kind of financial controls down our throats, because if you can control someone's finances, if you can control someone's food, if you can control someone's access to, what, you know. Like, how, P, you, you, you grew up in America as a child, right? I did. Do you remember, do you remember the days back before the internet and even after the internet when you could say any fucking thing you wanted? Oh, it was like, so good. You know, I, I, I never really understood. It's interesting because I didn't understand what, what the First Amendment, the, the idea of free speech really meant until all of a sudden they tried to start implementing these rules about like disinformation and misinformation and controlling speech on Twitter. What's more, the whole idea that like Twitter and Facebook and these things are giving rise to, I don't know, neo-Nazis and whatnot, this, this rise seemed to only occur after they told everybody that it was occurring. Like I didn't see, I didn't see any of the, like the, the internet was fine before they got here and told us that these people were here. The, and the it was big, really conf it's confusing to me. The if big I problem, I think, is it's the boomers. The boomers are the big problem because the boomers are deeply afraid of the Internet. It confuses them. It scares them. They don't understand the culture. They don't understand what it is to be in the slipstream of information. And they're the ones who are out there promoting these these calls for uh, you know censorship of the Internet and government regulation of the Internet. Like I was listening to. Jan Wenner, who's uh, you know the editor and publisher, longtime founder of Rolling Stone, and he was on you know the Joe Rogan Experience, and he was propagating this viewpoint that like we need to have the government regulate the internet. And Rogan pushed back on him. It was like you want the same government that lied to us about the reason for going to war in Iraq to be in control of the internet. And he was like, wow, wow, it's wow, insane. Right? You know? It's insane. It's insane to me. Like the idea that I can't yeah. go on the internet and say whatever the hell I want. Like 
they, they've extended the idea of incitement to literally mean if you mention Anything. something like, oh, yeah. that store on the corner, like it's 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 a it's in a place where, you know, another store was and it was robbed six times. I could see that store getting robbed, too. Are you inciting someone to rob that store? Like, it's really weird. This the fragility of everyone. And I have to deal with this. Like anytime you point this out, they go, oh, you're 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 white. What, what white fragility? You're, you're experiencing white fragility, Sean <laughs> Seth. And I'm like, I'm not even white. Not even white. Fuck you. No, it's we we used to have a culture in America of, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And now it seems like we're raising an entire generation of people <sighs> being basically like, you know, words hurt more than sticks. They hurt more words than stones. Are, words are themselves dangerous. Words are literal stones. Yeah, it's like that's not true. It it can never be true. It's an impossibility. I, I talked about it this one, Alex. No when Alex Jones got banned on Twitter, I think that was an inflection point because before that they were they were banning Nazis, right? They, they were like, oh, the Nazis got to go. And I think that was an inflection point too. Don't get me wrong. But I think that people cared less, right? It was much easier to be like, oh yeah, we banned Nazis, which again, I find hilarious because, you know, there's no Nazis in America. There's like eight of them. You ban them all. Like they don't have any power. No one's going to, no one in their right mind is going to be like, oh, you're a Nazi. We'll vote for you. No one's going to do that. Despite what like people say about like a Donald Trump or now now they're just moving the rhetoric to like DeSantis like oh are you a Nazi okay fine if everybody they, they they're declaring everyone on the right Nazis and then they get to Alex Jones and then Alex Jones gets banned like oh, it's just it's just a surgical like removal of like a person who is really really a node for disinformation and then from there they just sort of expanded it slowly until now everybody to is the right of center yeah. is getting banned. And then they started moving in on the anti-war left. And so now all they have are like crazy lefties, anti-fa types, and then like right wingers who agree with lefties. And that's all that that's all that these things are left with, which is really funny. So, but it's really oh. it's really a strange world we live in where your words can people can say your words literally are violence. It's hilarious. Gold, Gold <laughs> Eagle says that I have a point, but Facebook, Twitter, and PayPal aren't owned by boomers. So I think if you look at like recently Zuckerberg was on the Joe Rogan experience and he was talking why they banned the Hunter Biden laptop store. They didn't specifically ban it, but they used a shadow ban algorithm to limit its reach during the election. And the reason why he did that is because he was hauled in front of Congress after the 2016 election and berated, you know, because he was a air quotes threat to democracy. And the people that were doing that berating were the boomers. And so ahead of the 2020 election, his claim, Zuckerberg's claim, is that the FBI came to him and they said, you need to look out for specifically Russian disinformation. And when he saw the Hunter Biden laptop story, it was insinuated to him that this was exactly the type of Russian disinfo that they had been looking for. And now that turned out later to not be true. And Zuckerberg walked it back. But in the heat of the moment, in an election, you know, these little changes, these variables, like they really do affect outcomes when you're fighting over, you're scrapping over a small number of votes in the middle. And so basically, like there is a collusional element between the boomers who are in power and the people who run the big tech platforms, because the, the boomers basically go to them and they say, you operate like our paramilitary wing. You shut down dissent. You quash dissent. We saw this with Alex Berenson, his former New York Times reporter who had some very unpopular opinions about COVID that happened to be factually correct and accurate. The Biden administration specifically told him or specifically like in, in insinuated to Twitter that, you know, what are you doing about Alex Berenson? So they're specifically the executive branch of the United States government is going after, you know, a former New York Times reporter in order to 
squash his free speech. Right. And they're doing it, you know, using no. subterfuge behind the scenes. And so it's like you have these boomers and you have the, you know, the big tech platforms and the boomers are scared of what's happening. They're scared of losing power and losing control. The elites, not like your regular boomer. They don't know what's happening. And I, and I think Hoddle will agree, agree with this. Like, and, you know, we here at Bitcoin Magazine actually are for the genocide of Gen Z for this reason. Because most of these I problems said, arise out of their, listen, out of their I, problematic dispositions. I personally said that we should just add one adulterant to the Tide Pods that's you know, happens to be arsenic. And then it would just take the problem yeah. and take care of itself. You know, problem and take care of itself. Interesting points all around, all around. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to collect my thoughts after this Tide Pod comment because look, who, who here among us has not eaten a Tide, Tide Pod, Pod comment? That's what got you. Hundred percent. Everything else was straight on point. Did you, you guys see? Hold on, I want, I want to ask this to both of you because I, I was in a room on Clubhouse the other day and I was, I was talking about some of these kind of things, right? And there were people in the room who were aware of, and most of them were left leaning, and they were aware that cancel culture was a thing and it was a problem and it was happening. But then when they all started to speculate on what the reasons for all this mass censorship was, and I chimed in and I go, the reason is very specifically that post-2016, you had the election of Donald Trump and it upset the apple cart in a way that was unpalatable to the powers to that be. To you guys. To you yeah. guys. Well, to, every, yeah. to everybody who held power. And then the entire room was like, nah, that's what? That's stupid. Nah, come on, man. Really? And it's like, yeah, that's obvious. That should be obvious to anybody who's been paying attention. Well, I don't think yeah. that they, I don't think most people are paying attention, Hoddle. Like, it's very clear to me that most people do not have any idea what's going on. And the only, they, the, the, the only time they find out about something like the censorship that's been occurring is when someone they like has been censored, right? So to them, it's a one person problem. And yeah. that's, that's really super common, I think, that most people don't pay attention to. They don't, well, they don't have. see the through line between, you know, Andrew Tate and Alex well, Jones. They, to, and to them, they heard, they heard about and... Alex Jones like five years ago, and then their favorite creator or something like that is then banned six years later. And they don't realize that there's, you know, 5,000 others in between Alex Jones and the person that did. And, and, and it's a perfectly easy through line to draw that this right. is exactly the behavior. And I get this, I'll go into rooms and I'll say this, like, name four conservatives who've been banned. I'm like, I'm like me? <laughs> like, I don't know. I generally wouldn't consider myself a conservative, but for the fact that, like, the left's bucket is so small that I don't know what I am now if I'm not a conservative. And, I think I could uh, be four off the top of my head, like Milo Yiannopoulos. There's Milo Yiannopoulos, like uh, Alex Jones. And like, Alex oh, Jones but those count? are all... Those are all racists. <laughs> they were all terrible people. What you don't understand, so Jones, is that they all deserved it. They all deserved it. That's what so you wait, wait, here's the Name four that didn't deserve no, it. No, 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 wait, wait. Here's the real problem here. Whatever your, whatever a specific individual's beliefs are about you know, who is saying ridiculous shit, who has meaningful things to say, the problem as I see it is that anytime you create an environment where someone other than the person who is consuming that information is being held accountable for policing the information in order to facilitate like kind of right think, that's the problem, right? So anytime you have people basically censoring- Right think, is, right think is fascist. Correct think, I think is what you mean. Excuse me, correct think. Whatever it is, anytime, like we all need to be exposed constantly to shitty ideas. We need to be exposed to people who we disagree with, because that's the only well, way, you know, iron sharpens hey, iron, right? Hey, there's, there's this, there's this other weird shit that's happening though. Like, so I, I, I put this out many, many years ago. It's very obvious to me what's going on. And it's the fact that like, this is a religion 
and these people that are that are Wait, uh, what biting. what is a religion though well the current leftism is Woke, wokeism i didn't wokeism i didn't I, I didn't itarianism, intersectional, wokeism, intersectional politics identitarianism yeah and and you can go listen i, I after bitcoin and censor i did a justice world when alex jones was banned i talk about this and it's very clear to me that they they are trying to figure out how to enact sort of these secular treatises these secular things that religions figured out a long time ago mainly in particular the idea of redemption there's no concept of secular redemption right so yeah. you have all of, we we actually do have a concept of secular redemption but the wokies are too dumb to figure it out and and that is the first amendment the way in which you are redeemed in america is you say i hate the jews and then someone comes and goes well you know let me explain to you why like that's kind of a bad position and then you know you say it again and again and someone else comes to you with like new arguments and eventually you may or may not be convinced and wait then sorry how leave. is that a redemption story so redemption is that redemption the act of sin sin in in like a biblical context is the act of missing the mark it's actually an old archery term so the the idea of not getting a, a bullseye how far from the bullseye have you sinned right and so the idea of like hitting the bullseye is in fact the act like turning away from sin hitting the bullseye that is redemption and you can't do that without without the ability to speak to one another without the ability to convince one another that in oh, fact like a person like is is wrong they are sinning and that they they must come back to the center right and you have to you requ it requires the ability to argue and debate well they're they don't believe this they believe that the act of saying the thing wrong is the sin not mm -hmm. the not the not the belief itself right so you want to correct the behavior rather than the belief and so they're going after people for Wait, sorry uh, sorry the claim is that People today want to correct the behavior, behavior. The speaking, yeah, the speaking rather than the underlying issue, the which big, is the misunderstanding the biggest, of the situation. Because the they believe sin. that the, they believe that the speaking is the sin, not the actual problem. Yeah. Oh, sin being belief. And being so being sides and having the wrong opinion is the biggest sin in today's day and age. No, 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 well, no. It's, it's no, not no, that. It's stating, it's stating. It's stating that you're offsides is the biggest sin. Being offsides yeah, is fine. You can, no, be, no, no, but you can be in the KKK, but as long as you say that you love black people, you love the Jews, you love all that, that's okay then. Just it's the act of stating it that is the sin. And the problem with this is that, like, this is what we mean when we say, like, Judeo Christian culture is that a lot of the things that, that are biblical have been enacted in. In, in constitutional or legal ways in the United States. One of them yeah. is redemption. And so the Wokies don't believe this. They don't believe in redemption, what they believe. They're trying to figure out how, how they can possibly get to an understanding of redemption. But the only way you can get to a secular understanding of redemption is through the idea that speech is the, is the means. Well, in order to have a secular understanding of redemption, you would have to have the belief that individuals possess free thought and the, the woke people or the identitarians do not have this belief. They believe that you are an intersectional person, which means that you are the makeup of all of your you know, specific life circumstances, you know, how you look, you know, how tall you are, how good looking you are, what race you are, what religion you are, who your parents were, what your socioeconomic background was, and that all of these things come together to form your thoughts. And so my, my favorite thing about this, my favorite thing about this, the pyramid. Oh, good. No, is wait, that wait, they, hold on, hold on. wait, finish that thought. And then Gene Seth, you go. I was just going to say top of the period, most hated, you know, most villainous person is straight white man. And then, you know, bottom of the period would be like transgender, albino, midget, you know, poor person, like albino mm -hmm. hemophiliac, you know, A Asian Pacific Islander. <laughs> <laughs>
I, reg- I, I regret. I regret interrupting. I think that's, I think that's <laughs> close to the top. Wait, wait. I, I mean, okay. well, here's here's the thing. Like, intersectionality is this hilarious word that the left has just developed. That literally it means, means no, it doesn't. It means something very specific. It means multi multivariate statistics. <laughs> like what, that's what it well, means. What it really is in practice, what it really is, is a victim score, and people but, who score higher in victimhood get more status but, but, in the well, world. Huddle, huddle. It's they, 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 what they, what they're doing is this sort of like pseudo intellectual multivariate analysis, where they're looking at it and they're saying like, well, you know. If you have, if you're black, if you're woman, if you have these 14 characteristics, you're most likely to get shot by police, right? And then you go, right. well, what's the evidence for that? And they go, well, we have none, but we just obvious. And so mm-hmm. there's, and then, and then in addition to that, the idea is that they get to, they instead of in, in stats, you get to throw out these variables that are like, you know, non cohesive, like way out of bounds. You kind of like, you draw the line, you're like, well, you know, these are way outside of the bounds. These are, outliers you know maybe we're not going to include them in the final calculation you know for a lot of stats right but in the case of intersectionality they get to pick what those outliers are and those outliers usually are inliers <laughs> so they're like like they'll if there's very inconvenient statistics that you that you give they'll be they they will just ignore them they will say like oh yeah you believe in stats huh oh yeah this you know and so they'll throw them out there's stats that like literally will disprove their argument but it's because they're what they're doing is they're engaging in a new kind of statistics they call intersectionality, where they throw out any variable that's somewhat inconvenient. And it's a very different method for throwing variables out than statistics. Do you guys feel like that that is really biased towards sort of like, you know, the the kind of like liberal like wokeism, though? Because I, I feel like with with broad broadly in terms of political parties you know i've said this many many times i feel like it's all just sort of like washington generals versus the harlem globetrotters and i feel like that used to be is, true that used to be okay. true I, I i think that me and jenseth have both come to the the view that i i think you can see like people like glenn greenwald espousing this view on their on their twitter recently which is that you know the the upper, you know, elite left have basically seized control of every important institution in America, both culturally, like both soft power and hard power. And they won the culture. Can you you define those terms? What do you mean when you say soft power? Soft soft power is like movies, media, entertainment, culture, Mm, you know, hard power is like actual institutions. Like one of the only points of pushback you would hear to me saying that the left has control of all of the hard power in this country is uh, the Supreme Court. And that is true that that's like a piece of hard power that the right was able to hang on to. And I think the right will sweep through and, you know, win in the Senate and the House, et cetera, in the midterms. But the point the point stands is that there's this like leftist system of, you know, basically like like the PayPal twenty five hundred dollar thing is part of this. It's all part of the same menagerie. Right. Which is basically like we are trying to the, the concept is like nudging. So they want to nudge people towards the social changes that they want to see, and they're willing to do any dirty trick in the book in order to make sure these things happen. This is not to say that the right is blameless, and certainly like these two phenomenon like affect each other, right? But basically, like the left has has you know won. They they won the culture war just straight up. There is no culture war. They won it, and now they're going around shooting survivors. And people like Alex Jones are survivors. People like Andrew Tate are survivors. Anybody who thinks they're dumb enough to, you know, create right wing political speech using PayPal is a survivor and they want to kill that person. Right. And they want to take everybody else off off the field of play. And they want to, you know, basically like 
Like when DeSantis, I don't know if you paid attention, but DeSantis trucked a bunch of migrant Venezuelans up to Martha's Vineyard. In a flew, he flew them. Flew in them. Luxury yes, jet. Flew them in a, in a plane. And yeah, put them inside of a truck inside of the cargo. <laughs> inside of a truck inside of a plane. And then, you know, basically they were all calling for DeSantis to be arrested, you know, for human trafficking. This is not a normal thing that happens. It's not normal to wish for the I, I actually, I actually agree with them. I actually agree with them, Hoddle. I agree with them. I agree that it was human trafficking. Because of Biden, yeah. I know. Well, no, my, my point is that, like, it, it is, like, that is literally, like, what that was. That was human trafficking. The Biden administration's been doing that for, like, two and a half years. So, like, it, again, this is about, like, those who are completely uninformed. Like, I object to what DeSantis did. Absolutely. I The, the, the problem is that DeSantis is doing it as an ironic, an ironic point where he's pointing at the Biden administration going, the Biden administration has been doing this. So our response is to do it back. We're going to do the same thing. We are, we are, we find this act reprehensible. So we are going to do the reprehensible act. Right. And the left went apoplectic, but the reason that they're apoplectic is because they don't know that they themselves are supporting this exact move. The difference is that instead of Martha's vineyard, the nicest place in America, which was the point they're sending them to like the slums in Louisville. And they're doing this every single day and they're doing it at like 5 a.m. flights and they're not recording what they're doing. Yeah, it was a very funny political stunt, too, from the point of view of, you know, it wasn't funny that he used people as political pawns, but it was funny the way the Martha's Vineyard residents reacted to these people being in their neighborhood. And there were all these Facebook groups where they were talking about it, whatever. But listen, the point is there is not a 50-50 split going on in the culture war. Like that's sometimes purported. That's not true. The left won the culture war straight up like it's over game the get set match like it's done and now we're just you know well the, the right the right's gonna have if, if the right wants anything to do with culture they're gonna have to build an army they, they've they've not even begun that right and the left won it because the, the right didn't know they were playing chess they had no yeah. idea and their opponents were playing and moving their pieces for them that's that's basically mm -hmm. what was happening so like the the right never showed up to even play on that political board and, uh, and the, the right just kind of problem is yeah, the right's big it. problem is they only care about money. Like that's the big problem on the right. So they don't, they just go into finance. Like they didn't build tech platforms you know, they didn't care about culture or they didn't care about any of that. And then it all got swept out from underneath them and they didn't realize what was happening until it was too late. Same thing with, you know, the, the liberals don't care about the Supreme court and they didn't realize what the right was doing until it was too late. Like, for instance, <laughs> like, like control of universities, right? Like the right couldn't mm -hmm. care less about that. But the reactions, Huddle, the reactions are very, very interesting. I mean, I, I don't know that the right didn't care about it. The, the control of the universities thing is really interesting because that was really the first place that we saw a lot of this happening starting in the 80s. Right. And Camille Paglia has been basically on top of this since the 90s. You can go watch all sorts of videos, like interviews she does with Bill Maher and such. You can read her books. She's been harping on this since since the early 90s saying that this was happening this cultural control of the institution and she's a lefty she's a like lesbian like leftist like academic from yale and she's she saw it she saw it coming and she knew it was going to be a long process but that this would eventually have these problematic effects and the, the thing that i never expected i think the right perhaps never expected which is kind of i think what you're saying Hoddle, is this is the idea that these very esoteric seemingly an utterly stupid idea. The idea of like the safe room, the idea that yeah. there are free speech zones, this stuff. It would wasn't never, even conceivable. It sounded would so never, dumb. Yeah. It would never breach containment. Like 
there was this there was this perception that college students were experimenting they were trying different ideas on they had just left their parents home they're stupid kids they're going to graduate and by the time they graduate they'll have gotten it out of their system there's no way this these stupid ideas will, will come into the stupid culture like it won't make our culture is dumb but like the people that are supposed to be sort of the aristocratic majority they are in fact holding up the culture in a way that would prevent this from reaching containment they would just quash this and what we saw instead was that this escaped containment and i like it it the the ideas were so appealing to suburban house moms in particular that they sucked them up and they started throwing them into any institution that they had control over yeah yeah this is true and we're now in a zone where we're living with the the fallout from from that culture war and I, I think it's very, you know, it's very dark, like without technologies like Bitcoin, I think you'd be led just like, you know, like lambs to the slaughter because there would be almost no escape, right? Like these things are not isolated. They don't happen in a vacuum. The people like, again, like I'm going to say it again, the people at PayPal who put in the $2,500 thing, are they think like these people, they are these people, they were educated in these types of institutions. They came out of this culture that John Seth is talking about and they hate you and they want the worst for you and your family they want you to be their slave like basically but they don't even realize when we say like they want you to be their slave i feel like the boots on the ground people are just like as misguided as anyone else you know like i, I feel believe, like no p you're, you're not wrong but the problem is that the, the conspiracies that the left has picked up over the years like the right the right is being blamed for like imbibing conspiracy and it's not wrong the right has like imbibed they, yeah. the cute like we were the Q and me and Jen said they were talking about the QAnon thing and how it's just you know a bridge too far. We were debating with somebody on the on Clubhouse about you know he was he was explaining to us the finer points of the QAnon. The QAnon, movement. yeah, oh, he's God. a and uh, a you can tell the lizards by their hands because the thumbs are right. reversed. And they're you know it's deeply insane. It's deeply insane. And and like the the guy who showed up at the Capitol in the Viking helmet, you know, is a, is a crazy person. Oh, cool. And but the thing is, the left thinks there's none of that happening on their side. Right. And they don't they don't understand just how deranged some of these people in academia are. Meanwhile, Huddle, I think I think the thing that needs to be stated is that it started on the left. Yeah. The QAnon shit like the the, the, we call it blue anon on the right just because it. it, But the conspiracy ingestion started on the left and they chemtrails, 9-11 truth or stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all that. Oh man, I didn't even I didn't even think of it that way. You're absolutely right. Every the the the, the conspiracy imbibement began on the left. I mean, there were right wingers who were like or like middle centrist types who like started imbibing them. But yeah, so those those are just the beginning, right? But then apart from that stuff, uh, at the beginning, like the the whole the ability to convince the American left that that there were millions and millions of Gen Z and millennials who are like marching to kill the Jews and kill black people was like, so I, it happened overnight. You yeah. you went from being like a person, your neighbor was like, oh, I don't like, I don't like John, like John's politics, but he does a good barbecue. You know, like yeah. before you went from being that title, like, John's a Nazi. Like I got a Nazi next. I like, this is, this happened overnight. Yeah. And it was really weird to watch because it, there was no daylight between believing that John was good at barbecue and that you could go talk to John and then the next day believing that he was a Nazi. And they, they, you, you, you recount this for them and they will be like, no, I always thought John was a Nazi. Always, always and forever. Like, it what? started in 2016. 
I never even heard someone say the word fascism until like 2016. One of the clearest examples to me was, do you remember during the Black Lives Matter riots shortly after the George Floyd video, there was everybody was posting the black square and there were all there were all these mediocre white women on Instagram posting the black square and saying something to the effect of I just right now it's just, you know, for me, I'm just I'm just taking the time to just learn and just I'm just going to be quiet for a while. I'm just going to shut the fuck up. I'm a blonde bitch. Nobody likes me. And then blah, blah, blah. And then I watched these same people as I knew would happen. And I was like, I'm going to wait for MLK Day and see what they post. You know what they all posted? Nothing. They didn't post fucking anything <laughs> because they forgot. It's all virtual signaling. I don't understand what they what did they learn? Did they did they nothing? They, they didn't learn anything. There's... They like, all bought we, a book by a white we, woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, but did, but did we all learn that like black people have complaints about things in America? Like, okay, are they, okay, they, are those complaints legitimate? Well, we don't evaluate that. We just know that I didn't know that they had these complaints. Well, it's also like it was it was this weird idea that was like, you know, I'm really now for the first time in my life, I'm I'm just now thinking about race. It's like, really, you've been on this planet a long time. You never thought about it. You never no, I mean, considered it ever. Huddle, I think I think you don't the have proof any is in the pudding. The reason the, black people are right, racism persists in America. It's all over. Suburban white women have never thought about race. They hate you. That's why they're lefties. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a weird time because there was never any evaluation. I mean, I don't know. I think that Me Too in part did this. There was never any evaluation. We we've learned as a society in the last fifteen years not to evaluate claims. So if someone comes yeah. to you with a claim, complain, like I have experienced racism my whole life and it's awful. Okay. I will, I will take that. That's your, that's your lived experience. You're like, you don't say like, you're, you're not allowed to say anymore. Like, well, can you explain what happened? I, I did that yeah, once in high school or you? in college. Yeah. I had a guy, he's a, he's actually a prominent epidemiologist. Now I occasionally, he's a terrible person, but, but I occasionally Google his name to see where he is. And he, I taught him about women's periods in college. He didn't know how those worked and menopause. It was, it's, it's really funny for me to see him. Like you're just out here news. educating people 24 seven. I see him on fact. news. I see him on news shows and I sit there thinking like the transcript of the conversations I had with him would be the funniest. I, like I could, I can remember them word for word today. They are so funny. Like I taught him about menopause. He, he's a, like a bit of a pedo anyhow, but it was really <laughs> fucking it's funny because he's like a oh, legitimate guy God, dude, so, to do with you. so uh so where was i going with that oh yeah one I day he was that. telling me he's a spanish dude he's a spanish dude and uh, he was he was telling me that he's experienced racism and i was like how and he's like well sometimes in class when i would like take a test i would get a worse grade than the other students i'd be like well did you answer the questions right well, no but it's because the teacher didn't explain it to me in the and i'd be like well, like how do you know uh, that she see, gave that it to you because of a, a Spanish man? Like, I just know there's no other explanation. <sighs> like, she doesn't, you don't even look Spanish. You're a white, you look white. Like, I wouldn't, like, I know you're Spanish. Wait, wait, wait but even, even if he did look Spanish, like, why the fuck would that be a reasonable justification? I, well, Spanish I, people are really white. Like, I don't know. Like, he's like Spanish from Spain, not even like Mexican looking. Like, but crazy. what does that even have to do with whether one got a good, like, is the claim that, that there should have been a different but, but I test? Hear this, given I hear this him? all the time. I hear this all the time. Like, like I have concrete examples of racism that I've experienced in my life. And they're all really funny to me because they've never, like, they've never affected me. And they don't have to affect, they don't have to affect you, ladies and gentlemen. If you've experienced, like, these stories were like, yeah. I was walking down the street and someone yelled the N-word. And I was like, did you know him? No. Okay. 
Sounds like you walk by a racist. I've, I've, said, <laughs> I've said this before. I've said this before, but it's like the ultimate white privilege is just going through life as as me, as just your standard dude, bro, white guy. I know for a fact that pe most people are not being racist to me. People are just fucking assholes. Like everyone is a fucking asshole. You get pulled over by a cop. He's just being an asshole to you because that's what cops do, you know. But if I was if I was black, I would assume that the cop was racist. You know what there's, I mean? There's, there's no way that, well, that no, cops you are wouldn't. racist. Some so people, you're, yeah, I would. I would be like this fucking Hoddle. racist piece of shit, you know. <laughs> so wait, wait. So I, I want to bring it all the way back around. How does this relate? And I don't mean this as just like how does this relate to Bitcoin, but how does this relate to the things that? No, no, I, I can do this easily. So. The intersectionality and identitarian politics stuff, it pops me, up. I'm, I'm David Hogg. <laughs> you exactly it, pops, like it pops up directly after Occupy Wall Street. So Occupy Wall Street was the most powerful, scary, and frightening political movement, populist political movement in, in the history of this country, right? Like, it, I mean, other than like the Revolutionary War or the Civil War, like the, in modern times, this was very frightening to the powers that be because Every single person in America was aligned more or less on who the problem was, right? And it was the bankers. It was Wall Street. They didn't get all the way to central bankers, like the Ron Paul crowd got there, but most people didn't get there, right? But they were aligned. It's us versus them. They have all the money. They're fucking us over. This is wrong. This is immoral. This is unethical. This is this. This is that. And the left and the right were there in unison in a fully aligned populist movement. It reminded me a lot of like 2020 when the, the Boogaloo boys were with the Black Lives Matter protesters and they were all aligned on being anti-government. It was very similar to that, except it was more powerful, right? And from that, Bitcoin, the movement, cryptocurrency, crypto anarchy, whatever you want to call it, sovereignism, it metastasized from there in the right libertarian phenomenon. So like everybody who was right libertarian, who was at the Occupy movement, they took out of this, we need to be more Ron Paul, we need to have more control of the money, we need to destroy central banking, that's what we need to do. The people that were left libertarian or left-leaning authoritarian who were there, they took out of this, we need to gain control of the institutions, we need to become Wall Street, we need to become Washington, D.C. And so we're going to like inherit these corrupt institutions and use them for our own benefit. So basically it was this, it was this idea of like on the right you had we are going to we're going to turn over the chessboard and knock all the pieces on the floor. On the left, you had we are going to steal all the chess pieces for ourselves. So basically, we want the system to continue, but we want to pick and choose who we aim the money printer at, and we want to aim it at the people that we feel are underprivileged, underserved, who which, haven't had a fair shake. Which ironically is when you have the infusion of activists beginning to enter the journalism space. Exactly. And, exactly. And. And from Occupy Wall Street, this leads to Gamergate, right? So before we get to Gamergate, let me yeah, yeah. let me fill in this let me fill in this bit of frog DNA in our uh, dinosaur that we're building. Is so directly after Occupy Wall Street, the instances of racism go up tenfold in the mentions in all mainstream news outlets, right? Because basically, the people at the top figured out the people that own all the media institutions they figured out, and the people who are in who are in power that it's better to have a race war than a class war, right? And so they manufactured a race war. George Zimmerman was not a white guy, but all of the media reported him as a white guy, the guy who shot Trayvon Martin. He was reported as a white guy. He's a Mexican guy. 
It made no sense. Or he's Cuban or something. But like he was not white. Right. So they were manufacturing a race war directly after. And if you watch how they did it, they were able to very successfully divide Americans who were all aligned at Occupy into two specific camps of white and black or, you know, BIPOC and whatever. You know what I mean? I don't even know all the new terms. Right. And then it goes then it goes to Gamergate where Jones is headed. Well, well, not just that in Occupy, I've heard from no less than three participants that Occupy was going. They had actual demands. They had like a, a list of cogent things, which I'm skeptical of because I watched the Occupy thing start and it seemed kind of completely bullshit from the beginning. But they the people that were there claimed that this stuff was like really actually somewhat well organized. And they said a few days in what happened is all of a sudden they started like someone came like people started coming into the group and insisting that people in occupy begin separating out by race they started like building hierarchies based on race which interestingly i mean i don't know if it's government or who it was that did this it's very interesting to me that people showed up outside of the movement came in and were able to take it over with loud voices and power because because it was a movement that was decentralized right which is really interesting that there was no there was no leader so you have you know the elon musk show up and he says some words and then just like in bitcoin everyone bows before the new leader who like showed up so from there you have by, by the way the reason that the movements had to be decentralized is because we've seen that you know infiltrate and subvert like with the civil rights movements in the 60s they were easy to, it was easy to decapitate the leaders you know what i mean yeah like i don't know i don't know the, the real story behind why martin luther king jr was assassinated but, but this i can a, tell this you is a bigger, this story is a, they tell us this was a bigger problem because like if there was no leadership and you could just become the leadership you could move the movement in any direction you want so you have a lot of these occupiers move into journalism after this i i, I assert that they're occupiers i don't know but it, it was rather convenient in terms of timing and no, no, what happens then it was true. And this all oh, real quick, this happened post 1960s social revolution. A lot of the Abby Hoffman's and those kind of characters, they moved into Wall Street because they wanted to get their hands on hard power. Makes sense. So then Gamergate happens and Gamergate is this event that this woman named Zoe Quinn makes this game. It's called Depression Quest. And Depression Quest is this word game, word based game, sort of like, you know, remember that drug dealer game that you play on your calculator? back in the day it was sort of oh, like that but the idea was with depression quest it simulated the reality of deep being depressed you'd make the right decision in every scenario and as you made the right decision your character become more and more despondent so this game was lauded by the critics it was just a really boring game but it was lauded by the critics as amazing revolutionary incredible it got amazing reports it won awards then her boyfriend came out and said that she had been sleeping with journalists the gaming journalists so this roiled the community. The entirety of the gaming community was just angry. They they'd suspected that there was a lot of like problematic reporting before that. This sort of solidified that belief. Whether it was a conspiracy or not doesn't matter. Zoe claims that she wasn't sleeping with reporters. Her boyfriend said that she was. The news media reports on it, and they side with Zoe. They 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 don't report. They basically side with her and say. That a bunch of you know these fat guys in their mom's basement who play video games are attacking this young girl who's just a sweet little kitty cat and that she's done nothing wrong well they've been they report on this for months while the gamers are essentially protesting on how journalism is done in gaming and from there we have the rise of the only news organization that actually reported correctly on gamergate you want to know who that news organization was who was it it was Breitbart. No shit. Yes. 
So what happens is the incels, the gamers, they move to begin, they begin moving to Breitbart. They start reading Breitbart news only because it's the only one reporting accurately on what's occurring. You have the rise of right-wing personalities on Breitbart as a result of this. So Steven Crowder comes out of Gamergate. You have Christina Hoff Summers, Milo Yiannopoulos, et cetera, et cetera. All of these were oh, originally shit. Gamergate, Gamergate reporting personalities, Candace Owens as well. All of That's these so right-wing personalities come out of Gamergate. So, and a lot of them for the same reason that like, you know, there's this, this methodology that's been used in modern journalism now where they'll interview you, they'll be your friend, and then they'll go on and they'll just Slander destroy the you in text. You, yeah. yeah. So that was really, that, that started in Gamergate more than anything. Right. Wait, and what year was Gamergate? 2014. No shit. Mm-hmm. So Gamergate starts looking at Breitbart. That, that's how all of the gamers end up on Breitbart. And there's this two-year period of basically all of these gamers being slandered and realizing that they have absolutely, not, like, they start, you know, you think about the movements that come out of this, the idea of the incel, all of these, these are all stuff that's introduced during Gamergate. The idea that, like, everyone everyone in gaming is a Nazi, that, you know, all these boys are just, like, you know, treating women poorly in gaming, that games need to have, you know, less big-breasted chicks and whatnot. For the next two years, they're getting slandered in media about how awful they are. So all of these gamers re like find a place in the conservative party because they're the party with the newspaper that actually endorses them and seems to not think that they're all terrible neo-Nazis. The other thing that happens is these guys end up getting completely destroyed. Like they're, they're, they're despondent. They're pushed into like a corner. They're told that they're bad people, right? So you have the basis of like sort of the incel movement. You have the rise at this time of Richard Spencer, who starts the alt-right, Richard Spencer, who was a pretty, I mean, he was, I think he's always been kind of a very far-right guy, but he was regarded as more of a center-right type person by people that weren't reading his far-right stuff. He starts altright.com. It's supposed to be kind of a criticism of like the conservatives. Alt-right originally means those who don't like the right and those who don't like the left, right? And uh, so a lot of people start calling Oh, I had no idea. Wait, that's what alt-right originally meant? Yeah, it was just, it was just, it's obvious. If I, if I say I'm alt-right, it's like, I don't like the right. I don't like the left, but I am more kind of on the right. So people thought that that was the case until, until Richard Spencer gave this one speech where he stands on stage and starts screaming, hail Trump. And all of his, all, all of the, the, the guys who are following him and watching him, they start doing the Heil Hitler salute in the, the audience. It's clear irony. They're clearly joking. It's all a joke. But this sort of sets the stage for beginning to like claim that these people are Nazis. And then from there, Richard Spencer actually, like, I don't know if he's married to a woman who actually was the translator for Alexander Dugan's work. He's the one whose daughter was blowed up in Ukraine, in Russia, if you remember. So he has some very close ties to sort of like Russian nobility, if you will, the Russian aristocracy through his wife or well, former wife. I think they're divorced now. But he seems to take this movement into a far right nationalist type movement these kids who start off being ironic right white white nationalists become real white nationalists in in the process a few of them there's like 30 of them it's not that many the left gets their videos of them marching in charlottesville trump rises the the only newspaper the, the newspaper that really propels trump into the white house is breitbart the people that do it are all of the people that came out of gamergate the memes are built by all of the gamers who had been disaffected by by gamergate and uh, Hillary then, you know, basically, I think she basically loses when she calls them deplorables because that is like she's aiming right at the gamers. And then she goes after Pepe. 
also during this time, r the Donald on Reddit was you could tell just by reading it that Trump was going to win the election because the meme juice was there. All of the energy was there. And, you know, the people that were hanging out there were creating some of the funniest, most controversial, you know, craziest shit. And, you know, this is this is like partially where the rare Pepe thing like stems from too. At all that all that stuff at the same time period. I think yeah, it's I'm interesting. It's interesting though, because basically what you have is you have this social dynamic where the left sets a trap and then the right falls into the trap, right? Like for instance, during you know that, that happened with um with the election of Donald Trump. It happened again in 2020 with you know the Black Lives Matter riots where they rioted for an entire summer. And then the dumb right wingers were stupid enough to invade the Capitol and basically take the bait. And now the left has a reason to crack down on them even harder, right? Like they they ignore the well, part. Well, huddle, they, huddle. They, they, we have such short we have such short memories. Everyone forgets. Like I feel like I'm like the documenter of a lot of this stuff, just because it like I'm watching the through line happen. Like the rise of the Proud Boys. It, you know who the Proud Boys are? Because they're like the center of political controversy today. Nobody's they're ever heard. Nobody. From, they're hipsters from Brooklyn. The, well, you know? they, they were started by the father of hipsters from Brooklyn, right. Right? Gavin McGinnis, but yeah. but they're not really hip. I mean, there's there's chapters of the Proud Boys everywhere all over the United States, and it started as a drinking club. It was mainly a, a, a place where guys could get together and hang out and just be guys. And then what happened is, if you recall, Milo Yiannopoulos went to speak at Berkeley early on, right at the beginning of Trump's presidency. And this is the beginning of like the public persona of Antifa. They show up, people drive down from all over California and they show up in, in at Berkeley and they start throwing like Molotov cocktails and burning, like burning shit in buildings. You can go look, if you remember the memes that come out of this, like base Stickman. do you remember base Stickman? Yeah. Like they were, they were literally on Berkeley campus for days, throwing Coke cans at each other, smacking each other with sticks. Like there were basically all out brawls at Berkeley for like maybe, maybe three months. And at the same time, what occurred is that all of the right wingers who would go speak at these universities would get attacked by these groups that would be standing outside because Antifa like actually would show up and attack them. So the Proud Boys gathered coalesced as a response to this, basically to escort out conservative speakers from college campuses. So they became the target of the left because they were showing up at all of these events. And then after the event, they would actually go and brawl with Antifa because Antifa would be trying to brawl with them. See, that's so, just like, yet another example of set, setting the trap and then falling into the trap. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're all the, what do you call it? The dilemmas, dilemma actions? The, these that what dilemma actions, yeah. So like blocking the highway is a dilemma action that they, you know, they took from a black block in Europe. So it forces you into this predicament where you're either being surrounded by violent, angry people banging on the glass of your car and you might have your family in your car. Who knows what's happening, right? Or you're going to run through a crowd of protesters and and maim or kill one. And so they're forcing you into a dilemma. And either option that you pick is going to be negative. And so if you pick mm. the option where, you know, you hurt the other person, then you're a terrible person for the rest of your life. If you pick the option where you get hurt, well, then you're the sucker who got beat up by whoever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And me and Jensen sometimes talk about. Basically, all of this culminates to politics is shaping up or has become a race to put Hitler into office and Wait, each side. No, no, yeah, yeah, I'll get there. Each side thinks that the other side is so bad and that they are going to end up with their own Hitler. And so oh, the reaction to Hitler 
is to put Hitler in office before the other side can put Hitler in office. Yeah, you're in a, in a weird Nash equilibrium where both it, it is in fact a race to Hitler. Like yeah. you know, Hoddle's right. It's it's absolutely left race. Hitler or right Hitler. It's, yeah, it's whichever Hitler, whichever Hitler gets there first. The right, yeah. I don't think the right has realized that they're in this race yet, but it's wait, obvious wait, interesting. to me. Wait, how so? How so? Well, the, the way that the left works is the left realizes the war that they're in before the right does, and yeah. the left starts enacting policies and moving, moving, moving chess pieces before the right even knows left, that they're in a game. Left-wingers are, this is the trap, you know, set trap yeah. and then fall the trap. The, the left-wingers are proactive and right-wingers are reactive. So the left, the left wants, you know, the left is trying to basically set up a regime here so that they can, you know, because because this is essentially where the Watch equilibrium that. moves yep. us. We know that this is where it's going. It's like either we put you in camps or you put us in camps. That's kind of like the thought that seems to be yeah. pervading their thinking in terms of moving. Whereas the right is kind of distracted right now with Trump because Trump is not Hitler, right? There's no, no. there's no Hitler in Trump, but the left has yeah. distracted them. And the right wants the right wants Trump because they want him to complete the narrative. Like here's, there's a here's Trump the narrative. About, we want to see it. We want to see it finished. Here's the thing about Trump that I always think. About. I, I think that Trump has is not Hitler. I agree with that. I think Trump has shown the playbook for the younger Hitler who is out there somewhere. You know what I mean? And I think it's become very obvious what the next steps are for that person. And I think COVID showed that person a lot of like the types of social controls that people will respond to, how you can use fear. Like we've seen all of these now in a modern context. And we're like, so one of the things that we, me and Jensen sometimes debate about is like, we both see this and see what it's happening. And, you know, we debate this topic all the time. And my thing that I, I'm so, I'm, wor I'm worried about the left and I'm worried about the authoritarianism and I'm worried about this bureaucracy and the cathedral of wokeism that we're living with right now. I'm worried about that because I'm worried about authoritarianism in all its stripes, right? And I think that, by the way, for the Bitcoiners who don't quite understand what we're talking about, like to bring this back to Bitcoin, one of the category errors that we all make as Bitcoiners is we think Bitcoin is going to, you know, $10 million. And guess what? You're right. We're all right. That's going to happen. But then the big mistake you make is you go, the world will look exactly the same, except Bitcoin will be worth $10 million. I'll have a Lambo. I'll get my dick sucked in the Lambo. Everything will be great. Wrong. The whole fucking world is going to change with Bitcoin at $10 million. And all it takes for the accelerant of Hitler versus Hitler, spy versus spy in American politics to proliferate is economic collapse. That's it. You get an economic collapse, you get Hitler, period, point blank, right? And so this is happening, whether you know it or not. And the world is changing around you. Your Bitcoin investment is not just going to be you like living the life you live in the America that you're used to with suddenly billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. Not going to happen, right? So basically, like the the thing we, me and Jensen always talk about is like, I can see that the left is encroaching. I can see that the left is deeply totalitarian. I can see that this is a big problem. I can see that we're being ground down culturally. I get worried about the right, though, because I think the right has a higher propensity to kill everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that reaction when it does come can oh, be you're so super large. You're so I, super yeah, see, this, we always do debate. No, about that's idi it's idiotic. It's idiotic. The the right. The, the Wait, left how so? Has how a, so? Be, like you look at the history of governments. Uh, like the left, the left will scale the killing. The right will have shooters. Like the right will like. Wait, but know, what does that mean? Like give, the, give the us right will have like like Texas would secede, and then within like four hours they would have an army bigger than the United States' entire military. Right. Wait, but walk us through like how this would like. We're we're I feel like we're extrapolating so far ahead. Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah, are the, yeah. No, what are the steps that lead to this. The the, the point is, is big that like shit, this is a big brain yeah, shit. I know it's, it's too big for my brain. 
in in Dumb a world in, in a world where you end up with a left Hitler, you end up with like famine. You end up with like seizing of like businesses. You end but, up but with like all go, sorts go, of like, things. You know, we're using the term left Hitler, right Hitler, like very sort of like casually. Like, can you like Stal it's Stalin versus Hitler is what it really okay, is. Okay, exactly. So, so it's define more alluding to like you it's know, not even it's not it's not Stalin versus Hitler. It really is not not at all because you don't like. Think? No, 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 not at all. Because the idea of like, so the that's thing the thing. Is, I think you, I'll you just say counterbalancing think... forces here. So like, the the left Hitler would look like you know a lot of socialist type regimes. They would, they would you know grab the means of production. They would uh, they'd move people who disagree with them into camps. They they'd have reeducation. They do all sorts of things. Like it would be a real problem. They they'd kill like millions would die under the regime. There'd be no way to like you know get out right unless unless you amassed a group of people to go and you know rise up against them they would take your guns right a right a right-wing hitler's very different a right-wing hitler would be like someone who like recognizes this desire of the left to do this stuff and believe and understands that the left believes that the the right-wing hitler would just put them all up against the wall but who rises up and actually ends up being sort of like like rising force and says like, okay, like, you know, don't secede. Or if like California tries to secede, like you can't, we're going to send the national guard to sit on your borders. Don't shoot anybody. Like it would be a much, it would be a much less deadly situation. The other side, other also uh, hodl is if, if you end up with like a weird left-wing Hitler, you end up with like the right rising up and actually like shooting. At that that's, point. What that's what I'm talking. No, that's what I'm talking about is I, I so think that only happens in a left-wing Hitler situation. That so doesn't I think the way you get, yeah, I think the, my presupposition here is the way you get to right-wing Hitler is through left-wing Hitler. So left-wing Hitler emerges. He does terrible things. The right goes full reactionary, kills everybody they can, and then puts in a right-wing Hitler to be like, we're not going to do left-wing Hitler again. All right. And also a lot of you need to be punished for the shit you pulled. Like that's how the right will approach it. I, I, I don't think there will be. Still... I don't think there will be punishment. It'll be like it'll it, punishment in maybe an aristocratic sense, but like it'll be punishment by like closing down CNN or like you know firing all the professors and requiring them to like re-interview for their job you, or something you, like that. It'll see, I think different. that you you think that right wingers wouldn't go along with one madman's terrible fantasy, and I think that history has shown us otherwise. And I think all it takes is one guy at the top to be when? like, we need to exterminate. Well, Hitler. So wait, 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 that wait, wasn't that wasn't a right wing movement. Wait, wait. I want to jump yeah, in. Here okay. Yes, it was, like... it was. It was. It was National Socialist for sure. Yeah. But like, I think in our modern conception, we view it more to the right. Here's I, the I think that that's a thing that leftists love to say. Yes, it's it's a ridiculous idea. Wait, sorry. Yeah. What is the thing that leftists love to say? That Hitler, that was, Hitler a right was right wing. Okay. He was he was technically left wing. He was a socialist. I mean, that's true. He was a National Socialist. That is that is super interesting. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That, that you're absolutely right. If you if you asked like people on the street, nine out of ten people would would. He was uh, a Republican. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I think the way we Hitler view voted it, for George Bush. I think the way we view it though in a modern framework is that I, I'll take your point that it strictly speaking was not, but you know, it kind the of. The way it works in a modern framework is is that the, the left has has identified that identitarianism is a right wing phenomenon, and yet they completely ignore the identitarianism of their own side. Well, like, let's, the, let's, uh, the right, let's, the right let's has like 70, 75 identitarians in Idaho. They're literal Nazis. They call themselves Nazis. Everyone's like, stay in Idaho. Like, and you're like weird 
Ruby let's, Ridge. Let's talk about guys. let's talk about that for a second because that is one that is one part of the powder keg that could spark is because you now have the identitarian movement. What um, is identitarianism? You know, identitarianism is just you know I'm black and this is the way I view the world. People like me think like this. I'm Asian and this is the way I view the world. People like me think like this. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. Okay. And for right now in society, white people are not allowed to participate in that. It's 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 gauche. You can't do that, right? If that ever changes and white people suddenly start identifying as a monolith, watch out because bad shit happens after that. Won't, it you know won't ever I mean? happen. It won't happen. I don't think it will. I'm, I don't think it will. I'm just saying it's on we the have, table. I think I think that people need to realize that every culture has like sort of this like enlightened aristocratic class and you can dislike that. And uh, but that's just the way it works. Like the 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 current group of people that are at the top that are supposed to be the enlightened aristocratic class that's th the reason we have problems is because there's corruption of that class and there's corruption in that sect segment of of like the american population and there's corruption all over the world here this is like if you look at like the the movements in the uk where they have an established aristocracy a lot of people for example didn't want charles and he was sort of forced to negotiate in the background with the arist the aristocrats in order to be like given the title of king without any tr any trouble. Right. So we don't have that in the United States. We have a corrupt aristocratic class who no longer views it as their job to kind of protect the the minority populations below. Yeah. yeah. We have a, that, a corruption I... of the Senate in that they are now voted on by the population rather than on the state senates. What, you have I think all the way sorts to think of about them is is kleptocracy. We have a kleptocracy here in America. And, yeah, and yeah. And a we lot have of this oligarchs that have no allegiance to the people that they're ruling over and they're just stealing everything that's not nailed down. And, that's what and a lot of this demographic shit started in the eighties when what happened is polit politic politicos realized that they could find using stats and, and math populations of people that they could group together and they could create cohesive structures. Right. So they have like, they found out that black people voted in a block. They found out that like white people voted a certain way. Suburban white women, if you pull them out, they vote differently than like white men. In part, black women vote differently. So they started like spreading people into these little groups and they try to like capture these groups. And then they, they, they the leftists attempted to kind of build a coalition in all of this. And so there's a great example of this was like stop Asian hate. And they started talking about Asians and Pacific Islanders. Well, why are Pacific Islanders what like? Who is beating up Pacific Islanders? Like, oh, an American Samoan, go get them. You know, no one was doing that. Like, Don't do it like either. They're, they're, huge, they're a huge people. They'll beat the shit out of you. Yeah, it's a bad, bad, there was, bad strategy. There was, there was nobody beating up. But, like, what happened is there were a bunch of black guys who were beating Asians up in, like, the subway system when they were, like, they, they were blaming them for COVID. And then the left took this and convinced America that white guys were beating up Asians and then they threw in the Pacific Islander thing in there to make them feel like they were part of the coalition so they could try to grab two parts of the coalition instead of just one. There's something like one million Pacific Islanders in America. There's not that many. <laughs> There's like zero. But I mean, we saw the same thing after 9-11, right? With like, you know, Muslims and the sort of the... Except after 9-11, it was organic, and this time it yeah, was the, the, the right. The right doesn't have that. The oh, right has like, saying. they're like, ah, Muslims, bad. And like, that's no, very that's different than like Muslims and Arabs, you know, like just like like finding demographics to like like stick in to, to like stick in there. It was just it was it was a right wing sort of Christian like anti is anti Islamic fervor. And and it was highly exaggerated. There weren't yeah. that like 
this idea, like, it was the same thing back then. Like, oh, look at all these Muslim people that got to worry about their lives. There weren't, like, Christians going out there and just beating so, Muslim people up. I, I, I want to ask, it's ridiculous. we dumped a lot of shit on P. I want to ask P, P, do you think that Race to Hitler is a viable read on American life over the next 30 years? Or a great name for a board game. <laughs> Both things are true. So there's a couple of things. One, I think it's so important just to reiterate that the attempt to effectively divide people that should be all aligning together. Like if you can turn everybody against each other along yeah. lines of socioeconomic status, like class warfare, race warfare, like, you know, whatever the, the most effective, you know, knife to twist is, that is the thing that the powers that be are going to attempt to use. And I think we see that again and again and again. And I think what you guys are speaking to is the refinement, the, 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 the ongoing refinement of that broad strategy. It's like, how can we create these identities that we can use to basically fur further distract people from what's actually going on in the world? And it is unfortunately because of you know, I mean, I, I would argue evolutionary imperatives, you know, the 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 systems that we're that we've grown up in, it can be an extremely effective lever. And so I think that like we all have to have to remind everybody that like these are these are kind of constructed ideas, constructed uh, many of them are constructed identities that people that are not Pete that are I, hmm? I tend to think, by the way, that the distractions are self reinforcing now. I think that like the conspiracies yeah. are the distractions. Yeah. That's People what I'm are so unwrapped in them. Like the left is obsessed with Donald Trump. If I go into a room and I mention Donald Trump, like you you can't do it. And what's oh, yeah. funny is the the left and vice versa. conspiracies. I mean... Yeah, yeah, but it's different. The, the left wing conspiracies have made the people that come into a room and generally like if you think about it in the past when like there was a debate, you'd have a bunch of crazies screaming at each other. But the, the, the left-wing conspiracies have made it so that the person who comes into the room who's like, hey, guys, hey, guys, I'm the reasonable one. I'm the one who's going to calm everyone down. That person will immediately jump into 12 conspiracies that they believe <laughs> and that they don't know our conspiracies. And they'll be like, okay, guys, look, well, there's a sure. few things that we can agree on. Look, we'll agree on them, and then we can move forward with this debate. Donald Trump was a Russian spy. We all agree on that. He had six what? toes. There's <laughs> Donald there's Trump... <laughs> They're Six spraying nibbles. they're spraying colloidal silver on us from the skies using commercial <laughs> aircraft. We all agree. Yes. And you don't and so agree? Like is, well then you are racist, yeah. sir. <laughs> this is this wait, is the wait, thing. Wait. Like like everyone now has like a set of conspiracies that they believe. I, I heard a but, great but that they don't think of as conspiracies. It's yes. your point. They think of as right, being like these are just table stakes. We all have to I, heard, I heard a great term I, I myself I myself I myself have I myself have found myself like falling into these conspiracies. I have a number of them that I've, I've fallen into. Wait, so, so I, 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 I heard a that, great but, term but, the other day that's conspirituality, which is, what'd you, you say? Know, what'd you say, P? What'd you say? I said, I'm not going to take that bait. Yet. Why won't you take the bait? I want to ask you in a second, but I want to answer Hal's original question, which is like, what do you think about the? <laughs> I've been know, trying it's, that it's, one for a long time. I have that so one written juicy. out. It's that so one's juicy. such a good one. P, it's I promise so you the punchline is excellent. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask you in a second. I promise I will because I have to. <laughs> I have to. It's like, you know, what is it? Chekhov's gun? Chekhov's gun? Anyway. You got to shoot it, yeah. You got you to you gotta take off the mantle and shoot it. But, but to answer your question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to masturbate all over it. The, 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 to answer your question, Q, Q even, Jesus Christ. Hoddle, which I think is a good one, is like, what do you think about this, this idea? Yeah, exactly. What do you think about this idea of like, it's a race to Hitler? And I think that that is true. And I think using that term actually 
it like it disarms the effectiveness of that frame because that's why I'm saying it. Yeah, that's why I'm I like no, no, but I'm but I'm saying like using the term Hitler, like both people on the right and people on the left are like, oh no, I don't like Hitler. Like, no, yeah, I know that's why it's an important thing to say. That's that's why we're trying. That's why we're trying to call it out exactly. Like, I agree. By the way, just to clarify, neither Mir Junseth are in favor of the race to Hitler. We just think it may be an unfortunate uh, reality that we have to you know, deal it's with. It's weird because both of you guys are texting Don't me right speak now for saying, me, like, Hail Hitler. Don't I'm all speak for me. No, no, but but I think I think you are both right. And obviously, I see that's what you're doing. I think it's also important to like confront people with the fact that like we are already on that path and to like, you know, this yeah. PayPal shit. And like, there's so many other things that are happening in the world today when people are like, well, oh, I don't like Hitler. You're like, I said, yeah, this but- was, I said this under Bitcoin Uncensored. Like, if you go listen to the show, I said it. We are in an, uh, in a battlefield right now of intellect, and there's no like in a war. You have someone line up over here, and then you have someone else with guns line up over here, and then you march towards each other, and then you bam, and then you can't go any further, and then one side wins, and you get to march along their path. Right? That doesn't happen in an intellectual fight. What happens is you have ideas going like this, and they cross each other, and they just keep going like that. Mm-hmm. So and they like, get more the, and more extreme as like, yeah, after the, the stupidity. Yeah. Like, and then but, they boomerang back. And go back again. They, they, they do whatever yeah. the fuck they do, they do they want. and the political party the switch the names at least. And yeah, they, like so. You have like the conservatives, kind of, in my opinion, sitting there a little stagnantly since the '90s. They have exactly the same issues. You can add things to it, like CRT or like you know, don't trans the kids, you know. But these are all like principles that you could have like derived from their original, like their original basis from the '90s. Like if you had, if you had had a bunch of lefty leftists in the 90s going let's cut off the penises of little boys and you can bet that the right wingers would have opposed it then too right so like you have kind of a stagnant right but then you have this like left that's moving and the ideas of the left can only get dumber because like as they move to the left you have this like weird ability of anybody with a really stupid idea to contribute and they've lost the ability to criticize and critique their own ideas because they yeah. don't longer allow the right to be part of the convo so that's why that's how you end up all the way over here where it's like of course pedophiles are fine. Have you have you watched a film on Disney Plus that was made pre like 2000? Have you gone back and watched like Pinocchio or something on Disney Plus? Have I either of you done this? Those strings to hold me down. So when you when you go frown. when you go watch like Snow White or Bambi or whatever on Disney Plus a a warning pops up that's like we're so sorry. This movie is from a different time. It's deeply racist. We didn't want to. We don't even want to show it to you. But like, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. It's like, is you got to watch. You, you got to watch the Fox and the Hound. You got to watch the Fox and the Hound. Oh, that is a fucking I, classic. It's, it's funny because I thought I was like, I was like, I'm gonna watch an innocuous one, and I watched it, and like, I was like, oh, maybe racism and misogyny are really like real. I'm seeing the major shit. <laughs> Like the is like, widow, shut up, widow. <laughs> yeah, that he one is his, wild. He calls his neighbor widow, and he like all it's all sorts of shit. It's really funny. He calls her incompetent. Yeah. Maybe I should go back womanhood. and watch Pinocchio for all the deep, deep, deep dark racism because I I didn't notice it the first time. I'm just gonna be honest, you know. Maybe I don't I'm, think it's racism you got to worry about in that movie, Hoddle. <laughs> all right, my friends, we're 15 minutes over. Okay, I Let's don't go give a fuck 40. About Time, your timelines. Yo, I want to read you a quote that solidifies my point about economic collapse being the catalyst for the race to Hitler to really get to really get going. All right, I'm going to read it to you. This is from Alexander Fraser Teitler. He wrote this in the 1700s, okay? The quote goes, 
A democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until the voters discover that they can vote themselves largesse from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates promising the most benefits from the public treasury, with the result that a democracy always collapses over loose fiscal policy, always followed by a dictatorship. The average age of the world's greatest civilizations has been 200 years. These nations have progressed through this sequence, from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to apathy, from apathy to dependence, and from dependence back into bondage. Oh, that's just a heavy-handed heavy handed recap of de Tocqueville. Ask yourself, yeah, it's very, it's very de Tocqueville-esque. Ask yourself where in that cycle we are. And when I look at it, I say, we are currently moving from apathy to dependence. And what comes next is dependence back into bondage. I agree. I love bondage. <laughs> pull your pull your crotch out of the gutter. Jinsei. So how We're do you how do you shit here? So so how do you gutter. gird against what's coming? How do you stop the storm from knocking at your fucking door? I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna give you the answer. Are it's you like, saying the storm are you saying the storm is like, coming? Yeah. <laughs> Litecoin is the way you protect all yourself. All the way back right? around. All the way back yeah. around. Here it is. Listen, you can pick up one Litecoin for $7 currently. Okay. That's right. If that's not, if that doesn't scream good deal to you, then fuck, fuck you. Yeah. That I, mean, I remember, deal. I remember when people were talking about the Litecoin flipping and I mean, Listen. you know, it sounds like you're, you're a proponent that we are still headed to that regime. Like you Listen, could. Charlie Lee didn't spend six hours creating Litecoin. For you to be a bunch of fucking ungrateful degenerates. <laughs> like it doesn't exist. He didn't spend six hours and one meeting with the board of Coinbase convincing them to promote his bullshit so that he could make a bunch of money and they could make a little bit less money, but also a bunch of money for you to question his motives, my friend. Yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get that joke earlier that I got in and, and at some point. I I told it on Peter McCormick, but I pushed out in the middle of it. So I thought I was gonna vindicate myself. Wait, today. the conspiracy theory one? Yeah, but I can't okay, do it ask, now. Ask no, it's it, got to no, be no, organic. No, no, no. It's got to be organic. No, no, It's got to no, be no. organic. Look, consp- I'm going to say a bunch of words, and then you respond. I mean, there's no, some it's stuff not, I believe no, in, too. No, no, Conspiracy no, theories. He, look, it relies, look, everyone it knows on, that Trump has a cloaca. He has two, two cloacas, seven nipples, some uh, possums. True story. How, how, some possums have seven nipples. The reason. It relies on people not knowing its base. Look, I can I see through you. That doesn't mean we can't both we it's can't a, all enjoy the, problem, the experience. The problem we can't is, all partake. The problem is the problem is that you knew it was bait. So I, I, like, I know you. I know you. <laughs> He's too smart. You got to pull it, it was, back. There. It was so perfect because it was. It was I know. We were talking about we were talking about conspiracies, and I, I I I shoved it in there, and then I was sitting there waiting for the response of like which conspiracies. And he just he just calls it out like it was so perfect. But if you had a P, I failed all of us. I failed. Oh, I failed you. America. I've been waiting. For, I've been waiting to deploy it. I just I wanted to try one time. I'm so know? sorry. I have to do it next time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really bad one too. <laughs> Frankly, you you dodged a bullet. <laughs> I don't, I not, now I feel like I have deprived all of us. You, you really dodged a bullet. <laughs> you dodged a bullet, my friend. Jen says, like, I was about to get your whole stream banned. Oh, I was so... <laughs> I really saw that one, like I said, I tried it on Peter McCormick, and, and my answer, 
like I was I, I pussied out pee and I go I I accepted the hydroxychloroquine narrative it wasn't funny it, no one knew it was a joke it sounded serious yeah now you gotta but go I thought, you gotta I go thought so Peter, I thought Peter wouldn't be uh ready for it He's not. I he's I know. Not. I mean, he's yeah. He's not. Also, I know they edited the shit out of that Peter McCormick interview, but that last one you did was fire. There was so many knowledge bombs dropped. You sounded like a reasonable human being, which is how I knew it was edited. To all, you know, to help. But <laughs> there if, was. If, a, I had a joke in there about terrorism, and after the, I don't know if he put it in, but he goes, hey, "Give our sponsors." I don't know. If we can put that one in. <laughs> it's like talking about ISIS using it. No, I think it was ISIS. Yeah. If anyone in our audience has not yet heard that Peter McCormick interview, it's basically like, you know, Junseth, sort of like a, a blink twice if you're under duress situation. But he also sang a great song and said a bunch of cool shit. So knowledgeable yeah. shit, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my friends. I try, not, I try not to use jokes, but in this case, I fucked it up in that one. So I was I was trying to vindicate myself, P. And you got to go. Well, this is clear. Failed. You both have to come back on. I have to do it. Next we'll have time. Q here. You can say it and then he will take the bait. He doesn't know you well enough and he'll, uh, he'll answer. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I have to ask, are you wearing pants right now? No. Prove it. Oh I've shit. Been, Good man. The producers have requested. I have to use a computer from now on. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> this is censorship. Yeah. Boo. No, the, the computer. <laughs> You're preventing me from censoring myself with terrible internet. So I am upset. My friends. All right. Censorship. <laughs> we we got to call it. I really appreciate you both coming on. This was a blast. And I feel like we had a lot of really interesting and insane points. I'll tell you the joke off air P. Okay. I, I, I'm going to insist. Stick around after we, uh, after we make the cut. Where can people find you? No, don't both tell him because it'll be so bad. He'll head off cue from stumbling into the trap. Oh, no, time. I won't. No, I won't. Don't I'm going to be him. all about it. I'm going to be all about it. Wait, Hoddle, how can people find you? Can they find you? You can't. Hey, fuck you. All right. Perfect. <laughs> Hoddle's no longer on Twitter. Search through whatever podcast app you like. I will be at the I will be at the specific Bitcoin conference, which is being hosted by Swain Bitcoin. So you can find me there if you're right. interested. Good I'm call. I'm at most buffet lines. Okay. Is that are you overeating because <laughs> of your heritage and which which heritage specifically? Oh, America Samoa. <laughs> Oh, I got to tell you something I know about American Samoa before we go. Okay. Oh, no. You know how you were saying, I was saying like American Samoa, like these are hardy people. Like they'll fuck you up. Okay. Texas, sure. the state of Texas. Okay. Population, tens of millions of people. I don't know how many people live in Texas. They put out 400 kids to D1 football every year. Texas. Okay. 400. Okay. American Samoa, an island of 60,000 people, puts out 200 kids holy fuck. Football. yeah 200 that everyone on the island is related but to someone in the nfl all linebackers yes all and of linemen, <laughs> linemen. Hey, genetics don't What's, lie isn't a linebacker alignment aren't they all uh aren't they no. equivalent no but yeah but no but no all right all, all right. long snappers <laughs> with the tails they got the tails the samoanism and the and the inuit genetics we're gonna call my friends i knew a guy uh, who was a long hey. snapper his father told him his father told him if he wants to get into the nfl he should learn how to long <laughs> producer chris cutting us off on a high note my friends if you are in europe and or not and you don't mind an 18-hour flight 
Go get yourself a ticket to Bitcoin Amsterdam, 10% off using code BMLIVE. Also, the mag, always awesome. Physical print, it's in paper. Paper, that stuff that comes from dead trees. Buy it, it's awesome. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyper-Bitcoinization global with the inaugural European gathering this fall. Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Foss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference which includes hands-on engagements at our Proof of Workshop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP whales in the deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day three of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 for a GA ticket and €3,499 for VIP whale passes. The censorship-resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today.